Welcome to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, the podcast for high achievers who want to stay sharp, focused, and full of energy despite their diagnosis. With your host, National Board Certified Functional Medicine Health Coach, Julie Michelson, where Julie helps you take your power back from autoimmunity. And now here's your host, Julie Michelson. Welcome back to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast. I'm your host, Julie Michelson. And today we're joined by Dr. Vincent Pedre, and we're talking about the gut as the gateway to excellent wellness. Dr. Pedre's new book, The Gut Smart Protocol, is the culmination of years of research and clinical experience as a functional gut health expert. Our conversation dives deep into the importance of gut health including why we've become compromised and what we can do to support health and healing by focusing on the gut. Dr. Pedre, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. I am, as I already said, so excited for this conversation. And I want to start by finding out how you became so passionate about gut health. You know, it's it's it, the the path to becoming a gut health expert is something that was under my nose my entire life, and and partly I didn't realize it because irritable bowel syndrome or IBS had become part of my normal, and all of the associated symptoms that I call gut related symptoms were also kind of part of the 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 makeup my my matrix of being that after a while, and I'm sure that people listening to this would probably can relate to this, is when you have symptoms that have been chronic and they've been going on for years since you were a child, you you start thinking that that's just part of who you are, that there's no other normal other than that. So it becomes your quote unquote normal. But I, I, I remember all the way back to when I was a little, uh, very young and suffered from severe constipation to the point I was in so much pain, like having crying late at night, trying to go to the bathroom and I couldn't. Um, and that at some point turned into more like upset stomachs, butterflies in the stomach. And what, what interlays over that time is that I would get sick, like any child gets sick. And my parents would take me to the pediatrician and they would prescribe an antibiotic and they would prescribe an antibiotic pretty much every single time, regardless of the fact that it was probably just a viral infection. Sure. Now my immune system was weak and we know that 80% of the immune system lives all along the gut lining. And if your gut is compromised because your gut microbiome has been altered by antibiotics, then your immune system is going to be on hyper alert. And so my immune system was on hyper alert, couldn't fight off infections easily. And at times they actually had to take me to a clinic to get a gamma globulin shot, which is something that I, I don't even think we do anymore. Um, but it's basically pooled immunoglobulins from uh, blood donors. And every time I got that, when, and the reason that I was taken to a doctor to do that is because the antibiotics weren't even helping. Sure. And I wasn't getting better. Um, and I always felt better. It was almost like 
it was like getting a surrogate immune system because my own immune system wasn't working. And this went on for pretty much all my teenage years. I was on 20 plus rounds of antibiotics, probably two or three times per year. And as a result, and, the, and I can only say this looking back in time Sure. after I trained in functional medicine, even after I was a doctor, I didn't even learn this in medical school. But looking back in time, um, by my early to mid thirties, when I was discovered functional medicine and started kind of going down that rabbit hole, the rabbit hole, yeah, the gut microbiome and, and gut health and leaky gut, all these things that just, you know, leaky gut at the time, it wasn't something that Western medicine even accepted as, as a possibility. And so I went down that rabbit hole and realized that the 20 plus rounds of antibiotics had destroyed my gut microbiome. And as a result, I had developed leaky gut. And because of the leaky gut, I had developed sensitivities to the two top food groups in a teenager's diet, which were wheat, gluten, and dairy. And I was eating, you know, frosted flakes, frosted mini wheats for breakfast with milk. You know, Fruit Loops, I, I was having mac and cheese, I was having sandwiches with cheese for lunch. So I was poisoning myself. My my mom would take me to get a vanilla milkshake at Burger King on the way home from school every single day. And we're so, not parent bashing. They just didn't know. No, no. I mean, I grew up very similar <laughs> to you. <laughs> we we didn't know any better. And and obviously the pediatricians didn't know either because no pediatrician ever said, hey, let's take dairy out of his diet because he keeps getting airway infections. Right. And it wasn't until, you know, I did grow up in a in a household that was very my my dad was was very curious and focused on learning about nutrition and supplementation. Wow. You know, granted the knowledge that we could get in those days was based on what you could get from the bookstore, from yeah, from the library, like a book that you check out. But you couldn't go online and right. hear about other people's, you know, sometimes you heard word of mouth. So my dad went and had food sensitivity testing done. And I remember at one point he couldn't eat all these foods and we thought it was ridiculous as kids. Like, oh my God, like <laughs> can eat this whole list of foods, but, but it was ingrained in my, in, in my thoughts, even though as a kid, you kind of reject that. So by the time I went to medical school, I was, I was really trying to biohack, like, how can I not get sick? I don't want to be on antibiotics all the time. And I was very observant of my diet and changes. And, and when I went to medical school, my diet took a a a turn that partly was accidental because I couldn't sit and eat cereal with milk for breakfast because I had to just run out the run door out. to get sure. to my 8 a.m. classes. So I cut out um, a lot of milk from the diet. And it coincidentally, at the same time, I was cooking for myself. So I started adding olive oil, avocado. I started eating more healthy fats. So without even knowing it, I was, I was making some really important changes in the diet. And that first fall semester in medical school, I noticed that I wasn't getting sick the way I used to. And wow. I wasn't picking up 
other people's colds so easily. And, and that was my first, like, wow, there must be something here, mm-hmm. you know, but you don't, you still are not making the full connections because I wasn't being taught in medical school that dairy is inflammatory and they can actually increase mucus production and, and increase your risk for, for picking up viruses and colds. So it wasn't like a hundred percent withdrawal. I didn't understand right. how important it was at the time, but it was, it was definitely part of my education was all this self experimentation that I was doing, trying to figure out like, how do I feel better? I didn't fully understand that it had to do with my gut and the gut microbiome sure. until years later, you know, over a decade later, when I started reading about functional medicine and Dr. Mark Hyman's books and, and finally decided, okay, I need to do this. I need to restore my gut microbiome. I've got to change my diet. We've got to eat organic. We've got to be really selective about the types of meats that we cook at home. And I went through a big diet overhaul around that time and my gut health started improving. And it was a big surprise because going back to what I said at the very beginning, I had thought that this was my normal and that I was Basically, by the time I discovered functional medicine, I had been through my residency training where they would feed us pizza and Coke for lunch. And, you know, you're you're raiding the vending machine at three in the morning because you're starving and you're up all night and you're eating like, you know, M&Ms and, and horrible things. And I was always running to the bathroom. Like, sure. I didn't know <laughs> what was upsetting my my digestion. I had no clue. I wasn't making the connection. And, and by the time I discovered functional medicine, I thought, this is just the way I'm going to have to live for the rest of my life. I'm, I might be out at a restaurant and something might not sit right. And in the moment, I might have to run to the bathroom. I'm sure people are, who are listening to this probably thinking like, that's me. Like that's happened. Uh, me. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. It's, I love that you, when that's your experience, that's your normal, right? Like this is, you, you just think like, this is how I'm made. And, and, and because I have li- had lived that way at that point for over two decades of my life, I thought that that was going to be my normal for the rest of my life. And it was quite a surprise that the, the changes, the improvements happened really fast. Once I committed, once I actually figured out through a blood test, because I'm, you know, I'm still a scientist, um, Western trained. So I'm like the data. I, I, I really like data and I wanted to, I felt like cutting out gluten was this insurmountable mountain. It just felt like a really big task. So if I was going to do it, I wanted to have a real, like, solid reason to do it. And it showed up in my blood test and I lit up Yes. (laughs) and, 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 you know, and I do that with patients sometimes because I think that, um, sometimes you need that extra motivation. I agree. To know that gluten is toxic to your body. And when you can see it on paper, then it's that extra motivation to then create. I mean, I was eating sandwiches. I was eating pizza. Like I, bread was a part of my diet. And from one week to the next, I did a complete overhaul. 
and had to one of the the most challenging things it took probably like a month or more was to reprogram in my head what i thought was an acceptable lunch because now mm-hmm. i couldn't have pizza i couldn't have sandwich so like running out in the middle of the day and getting those things i had to change where i where i sourced my food because now it was going to be more like a a rice bowl with vegetables and healthy things or it was going to be a salad but no bread, no gluten, and no dairy, among some other foods that I had to eliminate that came up on the test. Um, and, and, and sure, there were probably some hiccups initially, but within two weeks, I started feeling so different. Hey, that's amazing. And my energy levels came up, my mental clarity, my focus. So a lot of things that I, I write about in, in my upcoming book, The Gut Smart Protocol, about how the gut affects so many other systems in the body that you may yeah. you may or may not realize because they have also those symptoms have become part of your normal or you think that they're because you're just getting older and that's a normal process of aging and it's inflammation and it's it's coming from the gut i love that you said that um it's one of the things i think where your story my story that you know you had a lot of gut symptoms a lot of people have food sensitivities and don't have gut symptoms. And so they think, oh, my gut's fine. And I'm like, well, but if you have autoimmunity, you have leaky gut. Like there's no question unless you've already done the work. Um, And they're always shocked that it's like, oh, my headaches or brain fog, mood, anxiety. I mean, so many other things. And I had a lot of energy issues by the time I finished my, my training as a doctor. And I thought that those energy issues and the severe fatigue were adrenal fatigue at the time, which was kind of the in diagnosis. And I thought it was because I was just wiped out from my training. Sure. But I was also wiped out from eating a lot of gluten and having leaky gut and being inflamed. Yeah, which is incredible. And I always, it's always fascinating to me. I actually just had this conversation with a a veterinarian, (laughs) equine veterinarian yesterday. Um, Like, why are we trying to kill people who want to be doctors? (laughs) Just the, the, you know, everything you go through in medical school, you're the first person I've ever said, heard say, you know, oh, I accidentally started eating closer to what supports me during medical school. Just for you, it was time restraints, thank goodness. But usually it's, you know, I started medical school and Things went downhill fast. So, uh, so you know the other the other thing that um, I I I did at the time, which I think also influenced how I felt, and I talk about in my book, was I started meditating. Ah, love it. And and I was yep. doing breath work and meditation for I had I had started learning it about eight months before I got into medical school or started medical school, and I continued it throughout medical school um, and incorporated yoga as well. And I think those things also made a big difference because you can't out diet a stressed out lifestyle. And I love that you brought that up because, you know, when, when we're trying to heal the gut, if you're not getting yourself into that parasympathetic state, you can't, you can't heal. And I see that all the time. I have had people come in that have their diet actually dialed in 
you know, but their stress is still through the roof and they're not managing it. Um, versus, you know, it's very rare that somebody shows up. I have one client who has a really good practice, you know, does all the things, meditation, breath work, yoga. Um, so I love that, that you brought that in. Um, I want to, there's so many, we have so many parallels, um, and listeners know my story. It's always so fascinating, the things that improve and even the way you connected the dots. Like when I started for me, diet and meditation were the two things that really moved my healing from, from RA and increasing my healthy fats was such a big piece growing up low fat. Um, so I, I love that part. I want to dig in a little and, bit. And, and corn oil that, that I'm mean, well, in my, in my, <laughs> in my house growing up, uh, we cooked, almost everything with uh, Mazzola corn oil, which we know is an inflammatory omega-6 oil. Well, and my family was in the dairy business, which I, I, you know, now know I I don't do, you know, it's inflammatory for me. But just to add insult to injury, we used squeezed parquet margarine at the table instead of butter, you know, because it was supposed to be so healthy. Um, yeah. you know, so luckily we know better now. And I remember when I first started to get into functional medicine, I kind of thought the whole gut health thing, you know, it all starts in the gut was just, again, like the buzzword and the, you know, this is overdone. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> we need to have conversations about gut health. So, so tell us a little bit about your upcoming book, The Gut Smart Protocol. Um, I think it's revolutionary in a sense that it's one of the first personalized uh, books for gut healing that's based on a quiz that I designed. And the quiz covers not just gut symptoms, but also gut-related health issues that might happen in other parts of your body. Because uh, as you know, when you have gut imbalances, that's going to affect every system in the body, the skin, the lungs, the airway, the, the brain, your mental health. Um, everything is affected by by your gut and how you're absorbing nutrients and whether there's leaky gut, weight gain, metabolism, uh, your joint health, so many things. All of it. And, I mean, really, all and, of it. And like you said, you know, over the years, I had patients who presented with gut-related symptoms, but had absolutely no gut health issues and swore that their gut was fine. They were having normal bowel movements. And lo and behold, when you test their gut, uh, I would find yeast overgrowth, parasites, um, all sorts of um, um, inflammatory markers. So sometimes the person is maybe not aware, or maybe the symptoms aren't strong enough to create awareness. Yeah. Like people that say, you know, oh, I poop regularly. Well, you know, give me details. Tell me more. Oh, twice a week. I'm like, that's not that's normal you might think that's normal for you but that's not good (laughs) there's uh there's a lot of um well it's it's the importance of not making assumptions and and understanding that everybody uses might use similar language but the language might mean different things to different people so always always asking uh people what is it that they mean by that but part of the reason that i i wanted to create a personalized program is that I learned from taking care of people with gut health issues is that there really no two guts are the same. 
So saying that there is a one size fits all diet that will mm. fix all gut issues Thank you. is not Say right. That again. <laughs> there's there's yeah. no one size fits all because if what I what I found if you have severe gut issues by my quiz and you classify as severe, you can't have fermented foods. They're not going to agree with you. Right. And they yeah, actually they're can so make healthy you, for some people. Yeah, that but they can they can make you feel sicker. Although you know you probably you know read a lot of articles about how great fermented foods are and and the and what i wanted to capture in my book is all the caveats um and to help people navigate through the confusion of what what is it that you eat and what is it that you don't eat especially if you're trying to to heal your gut but also revitalize your your whole body and and so you know there is a very strong uh part talking about the science behind it really trying to educate people because i think knowledge is power and the more you understand the easier it is to commit to making the changes that are going to improve your health and then i teamed up with a chef who's written uh, a lot of cookbooks in australia and she helped create recipes that were classified according to mild moderate or severe for people with who are in all the different categories um, obviously, someone who tests mild can eat moderate and severe recipes. So right. as you go down in the categories, you can eat the category before you. And and then we have a very strong um, component of mind-body and talking about the vagus nerve and the gut-brain connection and how important that is for um, improving gut health, including teaming up with some breathwork and meditation teachers to create uh, some great uh, breath work and meditations for gut health, including like a pre-meal ritual that yes. you would do right before you eat, during during a mindful eating ritual and a post-meal ritual Love as it. well. So I really wanted to kind of address the, the gut from the way I think of it as the gut body mind spirit connection. And, and like you said, getting people into the parasympathetic state, the rest and digest and assimilation state, which is also the place where the body feels safe. Right. And when your body feels safe, your body can heal. Yeah. Yeah. I love it's. I, I'm so excited for the book um, because it's, you, it's so comprehensive. And this is for, <laughs> we hear the word holistic a lot. This is actually what holistic means, right? It's our whole body. Um, and so again, like just saying, here's the diet you should be eating. It's not enough to heal. Are there- It's never been enough. And and it's been, it's been so influenced by, by my own experiences, like discovering breathwork and meditation before I went to medical school. Yes. And yoga as well, and and just realizing how important it was to incorporate all those pieces as part of a healing plan. And and it's interesting because over the years, you know, you thought that okay, it's this thing that you do that's it, you know you diet and supplements and all that. That's kind of like the main thing, and then and then maybe you you add in meditation, right. breath work. Now, if you're I an think overachiever, no, that's all, not it. <laughs> all of it yes. is front and center. And I really do believe that um, if you can't get into a healing mindset, it doesn't matter what you'll do physically for the body. You're not going to be able to heal fully. Oh, I love that. It's so essential. And again, that was another thing through my journey 
of, I used to like, oh, we'll handle this and then we'll get to healing mindset. And, and I'm like, no, 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 I'm um, doing it backwards. Usually we have to start like, there and get better results. And, and over the years, that's, that's how people usually approach their, their healing journey. I would tell them all the things I wanted them to do and add on the, the meditation, the mindset. And when they would come back for their follow-up, they would tell me, well, you know, I started doing the diet, but no, I haven't started meditating. Yeah. I haven't. And, and it was almost like they, they saw it as, as this adjunct that was just like marked optional. Right. And, right. and it's actually, you know, I think it's Essential. part of self-care that is non-optional. Yeah. And the results you get from making the other changes are exponentially faster. So I, I just look at it as, I know, I, again, that's where we start now. Um, I love, I love that. You mentioned, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. Um, we're going to briefly touch on bloating because I think that, that even people and so many people who experience bloating will tell you they don't have gut symptoms. <laughs> I feel like that's one of the ones, um, you know, when you're running for the, the bathroom with diarrhea, you tend to acknowledge you've got that. Um, but yeah. again, people think, well, I've always been that way. That's just how it is. So <laughs> what causes bloating? So many things can filter down and cause bloating from imbalances in your gut microbiome. Uh, so something we call a dysbiosis, which is just really a fancy word for an imbalanced gut microbiome where maybe you've lost some of the good uh, probiotic bacteria and you've got overgrowth of some bad bugs, which could be bacteria, could be yeast, could be parasites. So those things can cause bloating in and of themselves. Um, other things that can cause bloating include foods, uh, whether it's a food intolerance like lactose intolerance, uh, an intolerance to FODMAPs like fructans. And a lot of times that's related to a condition called SIBO or small intestine bacterial overgrowth, which is not necessarily bad bacteria. It's just bacteria that have translocated and are hanging out in your small intestine, whereas they should be in the large intestine. But now they're hanging out in the small intestine where they're going to encounter food earlier before your body gets a chance to digest and absorb it. And then that leads to a lot of fermentation and gas production, which leads to bloating, which can also, so that that relates to possibly a, a more upstream problem. And by upstream, I mean upstream in the, in the GI tract. It could be low stomach acid yeah. that's causing bloating. And, and a typical way to know if you have low stomach acid, maybe low uh, proteases ability to break down protein is you get full immediately after eating. You might start burping. So if you start burping, that's a sign of low stomach acid. And food feels like it doesn't empty from your stomach. It just kind of sits there. And, you, and your stomach expands after you eat. 30 minutes later, it still feels like it's sitting there. So that could be an upstream problem, not enough stomach acid. That can exist in conjunction with SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. You might have another thing that's very common is um, pancreatic insufficiency, where your pancreas is not secreting enough enzyme. But what you you might think that if you have pancreatic insufficiency that it's the pancreas is the problem 
usually it's not, not the pancreas. The pancreas is fine. It's the small intestine brush border that's not signaling the pancreas to secrete those enzymes because that brush border is inflamed, the, the gut is leaky, and so leaky gut itself can cause bloating. Food sensitivities, so having an immune reaction to foods like wheat, gluten for me, for a lot of people, or other foods, uh, it could be a wide variety of foods that could lead to this, can cause bloating. And another one that often is missed is a condition called small intestinal fungal overgrowth, CIFO, which um, a lot of people know as candida, but doesn't necessarily have to be candida yeast, could be another type of yeast that's um, fermenting and producing gas and causing uh, bloated feeling. And surprisingly, people may think that this is not a cause for bloating, but if you're constipated, it's kind of like having a clogged pipe and it's going to back up. And if things aren't emptying while you're adding more stuff to your intestines because you keep eating, even if you're not hungry and you're severely constipated, well, when you eat, you're going to get bloated and that bloating may last all day. Um, and then you can kind of filter down and all the, the different causes for constipation like um, meth methane predominant SIBO. Uh, they can be low vagal tone, which is really important. Yeah. Or even you mentioned low stomach acid. I mean, it's all connected. Yeah. <laughs> there are things that signal. Yeah. Mortality. So, so, and a lot of times there's not one singular cause right. for bloating. Yeah. A lot of times it's, uh, it's interconnected. There could be also, um, you know, if your gallbladder was taken out because you had cholecystitis, then you're not getting that bolus of bile in the gut, which is also right. really important for controlling the microbial environment in the gut and helping to push stool through. It could be as simple as you're not eating enough fiber. So right. things are getting backed up. Um, yeah. So, you know, there, there's a lot of potential causes of what might feel like the same thing for a lot of people. They just get bloated, their pants expand, they've got to loosen the button. But it's not one thing, it could be a whole combination of things or different things for different people that could be causing those symptoms. And I love that you mentioned the button because I was going to circle back to that. Like if you have to loosen your belt or open your pants, that's a sign. Like that is not how our body is designed to work when we eat. We shouldn't need to change our clothing. <laughs> um, no, the, the normal way to, signals. The, yeah, the, the normal way to feel is within 30 minutes of eating, your food is digesting, your stomach's starting to empty, and actually that full feeling that you had when you finished eating dinner is starting to dissipate. Yeah. And by an hour after eating dinner, you should feel like your, your digestive system is quiet, feels good, it's relaxed. I always that's say you if feel. you can feel it, that's a, that's a symptom. <laughs> like We shouldn't actually feel our food from the time we eat it to the time it leaves, I don't think. like It should just be doing its thing. And, and just like joint pain, brain fog, you know, you name any other symptom, this, this, all these gut symptoms are information, even if you've had them your whole life, like you did, like I did, you know, it's still, it was your body trying to tell you like, Hey. <laughs> and a lot of times what I feel in, and part, part of what I talk about in, in the book, the gut smart protocol is developing intuitive eating 
And, and, I, and I divided it into three parts uh, before meal intuition, which relates to kind of like tuning in and seeing, well, how hungry are you? Are you really hungry? And is there something that you're craving? Because there's, there's an intelligence in your body that might be saying, you know, I really want some greens right now, or, or I need red meat right now. Could be that, that you need meat because your body needs iron. Um, and listening to that intuition and then during meal intuition is really about recognizing and slowing down and being mindful and present to get the signals when your body is full, when you can stop eating. And, and post-meal intuition, very important for people to develop, uh, which I feel is like the, the part that, that you and I as practitioners are always kind of acting as a, as a surrogate yeah. in intuitive voice, you know, where mm -hmm. I'm, we're kind of like body whispers, helping people to understand the signals that their bodies are telling them. But ultimately, we want our patients uh, or people out there who read the book to become their own intuitive yes. healers by learning to listen to the signals from their body. And, and post-meal intuition is about recognizing how did this meal sit? Yes. Um, not just how is it digesting, but did you feel really tired after eating? Yes. Did you feel like you had to take a nap? Uh, did you get a headache? Did you feel, did your eyes get heavy? Did you get like some sinus pressure? Did your joints get achy? Um, did you get itchy? Did your skin get itchy? Because all of these are signs that maybe there's something that you ate that isn't quite agreeing with your physiology. But a lot of people, like you said, they ignore these signals because they're not their awareness isn't there, and I think it's really important to develop uh, these three types of intuition I in love relation that. to eating. I, because especially, I love that you included the post because we did, we do like we ate, we're done, we're you know we don't think about it ever again, and using your intuition can allow you to then become the detective, like you said, this is what you and I do all the time with people. Um, so it's like, okay, if this meal, oh, I did notice this meal, I wanted a nap after I ate lunch yesterday. What yeah. was in the, you know, then you go through and you can start to really identify, you talked about knowledge is power. And that's another way, you know, we don't always need a test. I, I love testing. I believe in it. And I, I think it encourages people to stay on track. Um, yeah. But you know, I think we look a lot just by. Is the, I think just by being really keen observers, uh, we can learn a lot. And and as, as you know, not every functional test is perfectly black and white. Doesn't sure. always read everything. And and that's why you know we don't we don't treat the test. We treat the patient. Ah, oh, I love that absolutely. And if you look at my labs. I don't have I I don't have celiac markers. I don't seem to have any gluten sensitivity that shows up. Um, that's because I have I haven't eaten gluten in 15 years. So and I never had the genetic markers. Um, you know, so and, labs and there and and those are only a certain limited set of markers. There are probably sure. other pathways we that don't are know yet. Yeah. people. And and that's why. Yeah, going back to the importance of this this intuition, and I actually use it for also planning a meal 
by thinking about how do I want to feel after I, I eat? Uh, because maybe, maybe I, I want to feel light. I don't want to feel too heavy. Or maybe I'm really hungry and I want to have a heavier meal. I'm just going to relax at home. I'm not going to do anything major. Or what if you're planning to go out dancing afterwards? You're not going to want to have a big pasta dinner that's going to weigh you down, right? You're yeah. going to want to have something that lets you or feel light and move. Giving a presentation. And if there's a food that you, you know, include sometimes and you know it maybe leads to a little brain fog or tiredness, or that's not, you don't do that before you get on stage. Like that's where that power comes in. I, I, this could take us like way down a rabbit hole, but I have to ask you, are there certain foods that you think nobody should be eating or is there a starting point? Um, obviously the quiz and, and the book. Yeah, the quiz is going to, the quiz is going to filter down and at least give you what's where you land, what slot mild, moderate, or severe. And based on that, I created an exhaustive food list with uh, consulting with nutritionists and uh, fermentationists to to really filter down what foods are okay in each of the categories. But there are some general guidelines, yes. right? Some some things that we know that are good for everyone. For example, when you can buy organic, avoid pesticides. Right, because pesticides are like antimicrobials; they go in and they they mess up your gut microbiome. Um, for a lot of people, you know, a good starting point is taking gluten out because gluten affects the permeability of the gut, or or in other words, increases gut permeability or causes leaky gut. For people even who are normal, quote unquote normal, who shouldn't react to gluten, might have some mild issues with gluten. And sometimes you don't know unless you do an elimination and then a reintroduction. Uh, because when you're getting overexposed to a food, a lot of the times the signals get all crossed yep. and jammed. And I'm old and, enough to remember the fuzzy TV screen that younger people yeah. are like, I don't know what you're talking. That's how I think of it, though. Why doing an elimination diet with a proper reintroduction is so key to learning. Is really helpful. I mean, the other fact is that the majority of the world is 70 to 90% of people in the world are lactose intolerant. So taking dairy out of the diet, and, and that's just the, the tip of the iceberg because um, a lot of people are also dairy sensitive. It's one of the, among the, the top food sensitivities out there. Some, uh, some things might be surprising and are more individualized. Like some people don't do well with eggs, for example. Yeah, uh, but that's not not something that's for everyone. Cross the board, I'm going to say sugar is bad, right? right? Sugar is inflammatory. You're not going to go wrong if you can reduce your sugar intake. You're also not going to go wrong if you cut out or you limit your alcohol intake, because alcohol is also a gut disruptor and it actually increases inflammatory signals in the body. And the older you get, you probably like anybody who's listening probably thinking, you know, I can't drink the way I used to when I was in my 20s, 30s, like one drink just hits me harder. I don't recover as easily the next day or if I've got a couple of drinks. Well, it's causing more damage than just your ability to recover the next day. And it actually also is increasing your risk for cancer. Mm -hmm. So across the board, limiting alcohol, if you can, or if you're, or if you're in the process of healing, because you've got inflammation, you've got autoimmunity, 
then then you really want to take away the obstacles to healing. Sure. And that includes those things. You also have to be really careful with health foods. You know, things that are that quote have, <laughs> quote unquote you know, health that, foods that are branded yes. to look healthy. For example, there's a lot of bars and foods out there that are using sugar alcohols as substitutes for regular sugar. The sugar alcohols feed certain parts of the microbiome and after you eat that, you might end up so bloated that you feel sick. Yes. It can also cause diarrhea. So like yep. erythritol. Yeah. And some of these packages have a warning, like put, put it down. If there's a warning may cause diarrhea, why it's food. It's not supposed to do that. <laughs> like that's not. It shouldn't do that. And, no. and, and also, you know, they get, they sneak into toothpaste also because a lot of toothpaste are sweetened with xylitol and, yes. and some people, not everyone, but some people are sensitive to xylitol some people are also sensitive to fibers that are added to thicken the nut milk. So if you're you're trying to be good and you're being dairy free, and you're buying a store made, um, you know, a brand uh, with yes. gourd gum, xanthan gum, which are fibers that for some people are good and they help them be become regular, but other people it actually irritates the gut and causes diarrhea. So these are these are things. To be aware of because you might not be thinking like, oh, I went and I bought an, an unsweetened almond milk. It's supposed to be healthy for me. Yeah. Well, read the ingredients because you're not just buying almond milk. You're buying right. almond milk with these other ingredients in it that might not agree with your gut. Ab absolutely. And oh my gosh, we could talk for three more hours, but I know you have... <laughs> You have other obligations today, as do I. Um, I, I want to also share with listeners before we get to the next piece, um, you have an incredible gift for people. I know that the website for the book is up um, and it's yeah. gutsmartprotocol.com. And if you do gutsmartprotocol.com forward slash gift, which will be in the show notes, um, you are giving listeners a free chapter, which is amazing. Um, free chapter and, and a few little surprises in there ooh, um, so they can get a, a sense sense of the book. Um, Dr. Perlmutter wrote a foreword to the book and it's included with the free chapter um, along with uh, part of my gut healing story that I talked about and how how my own gut health journey and and like I, I started in the beginning, how that inspired me to just uh, pretty much dedicate my life to helping people with gut health issues. Which is so amazing. And and hopefully this conversation, just hearing some of these, this is why we have these conversations. Um, hopefully people will be motivated to take steps to start to address gut health or look there. Um, and then the the quiz and the book, and, incredible resources. And, and to realize that you may not have gut symptoms, but if you have what we call gut-related health issues, which can be just metabolism and weight gain and inability to lose weight no matter what you do. You just can't seem to drop the pounds. Well, then you've got to look at your gut because it's yeah. probably leaky gut, inflammation, insulin resistance, and a, a foundational gut health issue that needs to be addressed for your body to be able to start losing weight. And disagree if you if if you will um i would say anybody listening to this if you have autoimmunity you have got issues whether yes. you feel them or not I, I think that there's 
we've kind of eliminated the question of we whether we didn't, the <laughs> we didn't get it get in there, but um, famous researcher Alessio Fasano had done oh, he's incredible. Um, study on on what is the the potential trigger for autoimmunity, like where does autoimmunity um, rise from? Yep. And part of the theory is that it comes from the gut and it involves three things, an environmental trigger, yep. a genetic predisposition and leaky gut. And the environmental trigger that he was looking at was gluten right. uh, because gluten in some ways to our immune system looks like a bacteria, the protein. And so our immune system, when it sees the gluten protein, it thinks that it's a foreign invader and, and um, basically says attack. And then it starts destroying the gut lining and causing body-wide inflammation. And his later research has shown, you know, it's not just for people who are who are gluten sensitive. That gluten can create these issues at any point, um, and and start to you know get those I gut junctions to loosen up. I think it's a cumulative hit hypothesis yeah. and yep. and some people might reach that threshold earlier because of genetic predisposition and other people may take a little bit longer in their lives but sure. eventually they do hit that threshold well as and you well. mentioned toxins and yeah there's so many different things that that play in and and it is a kind of a cumulative effect for sure um, yeah. this has been so incredible and you already have given amazing advice for people, but I always throw my guests under the bus at the end and ask for one step that listeners can take starting today to begin to heal. Wow. <laughs> I know it's, it's you, a tough one. <laughs> you know, um, it makes me think of a, a study that they did in Cuba during what they call the special period, which is when Cuba lost its subsidies from Russia and Cuba started rationing sugar. So per capita sugar consumption dropped significantly in Cuba. And they also take really close, uh, you know, uh, population measurements of heart disease, diabetes, weight, uh, heart attacks. And during this special period when they were rationing, they, they rationed and limited sugar quite a bit. All of those health issues, the rates of all of those health issues dropped dramatically. Like it wasn't just a little drop. It was right. a Significant. dramatic okay. drop. And then you see the end of the special period and then sugar consumption starts to increase again. And you see all of these health issues start to come back in, in higher rates. There's your science. <laughs> so, so your one step would be... <laughs> to cut back on sugar intake, like cut back yeah. on on all sources of sugar, where it's whether it's obvious cane sugar, desserts, sweets, or adding sugar to coffee, to drinks, but also sweetened beverages and and also hidden sugars in refined carbohydrates and processed foods. If you can do that, you're going to be doing your gut microbiome a favor because you're not going to be feeding those bad, bad bugs. And I would say that's, I, I'm very much believe, even though my my 14 day program is obviously more complex and you're doing a bunch of things at once, but I also think of the importance of what I call stepwise activations, um, especially for people who get overwhelmed. Right. Do one thing 
conquer that well. So if it's sugar and you're going to cut back on your sugar, that will be your one goal. That's all you're doing is cutting back on sugar. And once you have that down packed, then you go on to the next activation. And that. that will ensure that you are successful in, in accomplishing your goals. You know, whatever it may be, it may be that you're learning to meditate and that's all you're going to do is you're going to activate meditation, but it's important to, to, to know yourself and know what type of person you are and whether it's easier for you to do one thing at a time Mm -hmm. and conquer it before adding in the next thing, rather than trying to do so many things that then you just fail because it's overwhelming. Yeah. Or you can do it for a week and then forget it. It's too hard. And I love, I want to highlight that you said reduce sugar, you know, be aware. Um, I always tell people start by noticing because often if you haven't already been really paying attention, you're getting a lot more sugar than you think. Um, But I love, it's not about perfect. It's about consistently improving. And as you said, then build on the wins. So you, you mentioned sugar and meditation was kind of an aside. I'll, I'll throw out (laughs) on top of your one thing I asked you for, because you said it and I want to, I just want to highlight it for listeners. The idea of where is your easiest place to start? Because that's how you start to build the momentum. And so, you know, maybe meditation, you're like, ah, I can, you know, I can meditate. Well, I've for, already played. For, for some, for some people, it's cut out bread when you go out to eat. Right. So you stop, stop eating bread at the table. And that's the first step in reducing your grain and, and wheat consumption. Yes. And then little by little, you expand that and you stop having pasta and, and, you know, so, so it, it can be different for different people, like you said. But recognizing those little wins, because it's much more encouraging to build upon the wins than try to do it all at once and fail. And then you just feel, you know, you all the guilt and the shame and all that comes up, which doesn't help us get to our health goals. I love it. Amazing. And for people listening on the go that aren't going to check out the show notes, where's the best place to find you? Because I know they're going to want to hear more from you. I'm certainly going to the book website, gutsmartprotocol.com, but you can find me on Instagram mainly as at Dr. Pedre, D-R-P-E-D-R-E. And I put out a lot of free resources and information. Amazing content. Yeah. Your your feed is incredible. And I I try to do some funny things and do some funny reels and stuff for, to entertain and, and educate at the same time. I love it. I love it. Dr. Padre, thank you so much. You have given us amazing gold today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. For everyone listening, remember you can get the transcripts and show notes by visiting inspiredliving.show. I hope you had a great time and enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Go check out Dr. Padre's book, The Gut Smart Protocol. Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, just head on over to inspiredliving.show or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guest. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. 
Until next time, this is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, helping you take your power back.